And now, what you've all been waiting for. You heard us list our top 10 books in episode 3. But were you wondering why we picked them? What we like about them? Want to hear us complain about each other's choices for 30 minutes? Well, you came to the right place. This is Fiction Fans, a podcast where we talk about books and other words too. But in this bonus episode, it's like 99% books. You're welcome. Okay, we ready to do some top 10 books? We can't have a conversation about each book. No, we, we cannot have a conversation about each book. And before we start, um, I would like to say thank you to Benjamin on Twitter. Um, that's at Literature and Lo-Fi uh, for s- suggesting that we discuss our top 10 series or books. Um, I am going to cheat a little bit and say that one series counts as like one spot, which is also kind of doing myself a disservice because I could not figure out what like I didn't have any difficulties figuring out my top three and then the other seven I struggled with so I might not have actually 10 (laughs) and I would have 10 if a series did not count as one book or one spot so Benjamin is lovely I see his alerts all the time I don't actually do Twitter but I do get our (laughs) notifications yes I am I am the Twitter goblin um behind all of our word vomit tweets (laughs) I think first we should each just run through our titles, you and then me, and then we talk about them. Okay. I think you should go first because my titles, again, are very nebulous. I also would like to point out that um, for both of us, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, um, but this is more of a snapshot of our top 10 books on this date. The, this is our genuine selves as we come to you today, would you like to hear my top 10 books today? I, I, I would like to hear what your top 10 books of the day are. I didn't write down all of the authors, and I've just realized that. <laughs> Oops. You, you're going to get some half and half nonsense. Okay. <laughs> American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit by Tolkien. Dataclism, Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald, Helter Skelter, Cold Comfort Farm, A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, Anubis Gates by Tim Powers. Those are good books. They're all, I mean, they're my top 10. (laughs) Some of them, I mean, there are some of them that I didn't care for as much, but, um, in general, I think that's a very strong list. They're all good, though. You can't deny that. <laughs> Some of them have have um, qualities which I do not appreciate, but the rest of the world seems to. <laughs> you just don't like The Great Gatsby. You haven't even read it. No, you I have read it. I haven't read The Great Gatsby. Um, I have read Frankenstein and didn't much care for it. Um, mm, fun fact. I also did not the first time <laughs> I read it. I think I had to read it two or three times, but then it was like, it hit me. I don't know. It hooked into my brain. Okay. So um, again, with the caveat that it's not really 10. Um, so uh, the Lord of the Rings series, but I'm including not just the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but like all of the related mythos. Um, Everything by Tolkien. 
number one. Got basically, <laughs> basically everything by Tolkien, except that that I mean, like he has works that are not part of the Lord of the Rings. Everything in Middle Earth by Tolkien. Everything, yeah, I do like his non-Middle Earth stuff too, but uh, everything. But by- this slot can only be one of them. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so all of the Middle Earth stuff. Uh, Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Um, all of the Discworld books by Terry Pratchett. And we're not talking about our reasons for liking books yet, right? Not yet. Not yeah. yet. Okay. Um, so the Inda series by Sherwood Smith. Um, and then um, Over the Rim of the World, uh, Selected Letters by Freya Stark. Um and dashing for the post, the letters of Patrick Leifermer. That's seven. I have three more to go. I don't have another three. <laughs> um, I I probably, uh, if I had to add another three, I would say um, the Merlin Conspiracy by Diana Wynne Jones, and um, the Chronicles of Prydain, which is a series of five books by Lloyd Alexander. That leaves me with one. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I take it back. I take it back. I totally forgot Andrew Cartmel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Andrew. The Vinyl Detective by Andrew Cartmel. I thought you wrote these down. I did not write these down. I absolutely did not write these That's down. That's very clear. Because we actually, no joke, had a very long conversation about The Vinyl Detective before we started recording. <laughs> and both we of did. us forgot <laughs> entirely. <laughs> we, we did yep oops sorry vinyl detective that was like probably the only book on your list that we actually discussed even we, d- we did we did talk about a little bit patty lay book i didn't mention that's the right, title right. but we did talk about his book so i think we should start by acknowledging the similarities there's a lot of overlap i did not include discworld on my list because that felt too cheesy (laughs) that was too much that's that's like 20 books in one slot i couldn't do it i'll take it (laughs) i was completely willing to include lord of the rings and the hobbit and the silmarillion etc as one slot (laughs) so i don't really get to be on a high horse but do we even have to like yeah Uh, yeah tolkien duh yeah i mean i think that's pretty (laughs) self-explanatory It ought to be anyway. I didn't include Discworld, but I did put Good Omens on this list. We both did. I mean, it's a fantastic book. Again, I think that there are some similar... I I would almost say that there are similarities between it and The Prey of Gods, just in the fact that they're both humorous takes on things. (laughs) I'm not making sense at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It, uh, well, any, any narrative that deals with the concept of divinity... Yeah, I think you're going to see some overlap in, in that it both of these books, Good Omens and The Prey of Gods, deals with seeking, not necessarily seeking power, but the potential for power. But they also they also do so in a very humorous way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Their tones are very similar. Yeah. I think that's a very good like Yeah, like that, that's that's what I was trying to call out is that they both have very similar tones. Yeah. That, Only you said you said it more eloquently than I could. That irreverent humor. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that was that's the extent of our overlap. Only because I refuse to do Discworld. But 
I did think about adding American Gods to my list because it's a very good book, but I have to be in a specific mood to read it. And so I, I think that we had slightly different criteria for what constitutes as our top 10. That's what I was going to transition to. Yeah. Yeah. So my criteria was, I think, maybe books that have affected me more than anything. Books that I have read and that I can point out pieces of my psyche where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's where this came from. But for example, Helter Skelter, I, I read once and I'm never going to read that book again because that's like 500 pages of nonfiction written by a lawyer and once is enough. <laughs> uh, but the fact that I read 500 pages written by a lawyer, I think shows that I'm not someone who once I start a book, I have to finish it. I finished it because it was good. <laughs> I, on the other hand, absolutely do have to finish a book when I start it. But I also like reading more academic texts, as I think is evident by the inclusion of Freya Stark and Pavile Farmer on there. Yeah, we both um, had two nonfiction pieces, right? Yes, I think that I think that those two were the only ones that I included. And my basis for this list was really like like books books that I reread and enjoy reading. Well, that's not fair because I am I am a chronic rereader. So most of the books that I own I enjoy rereading, but these were books that I go to again and again and again, or would go to again and again and again. Freya Stark and Patty Leifermer, I've only read once at this point. Um, and I would almost call them comfort reads. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily things that I can trace back aspects of my psyche to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just different, different methodologies in selecting our list. Yeah, it, it feels like you picked books that you would would like to reread and yeah. enjoy rereading whereas i picked books that when i read them they left with me with a moment that is to say like i said frankenstein i i did not like it right away uh i read dracula and frankenstein around the same time because i was coming at it from a horror movie perspective but those are two extremely different books I do like Dracula, but it clearly it did not hit my top 10. <laughs> Neither of those books I would consider as anywhere near my top 10. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Frankenstein is just in a, in a completely different league from Dracula. But, I mean, I read it in three different classes and then also an independent study that was technically about romantic poets but i worked frankenstein into it anyway because by then i was in its clutches <laughs> so i think maybe i'm just into frankenstein i think clearly you're just into frankenstein i did pick these books on their own merits so even though i love mary shelley and i love jert which is how I have decided to call J.R.R. Tolkien jerk. I did not pick Frankenstein because uh, Mary Shelley was an excellent person who uh, challenged Percy Shelley, her husband, to create better literature all around and came from a legacy of Mary Wollstonecraft, who wrote one of the earliest feminist works. All of that's just gravy. Frankenstein is also a great book. (laughs) And see, there again, we differ in methodology because some of the books that I chose are definitely not 
necessarily because of their merits as a book in and of themselves, but because of my associations with the book. I will say Cold Comfort Farm by Stella Gibbons is a sort of parody. It's a it's a parody from the 1930s. Uh, that a parody of what Frankenstein? No, no, sorry. Um, Wikipedia says rural life, romanticized um, stories of rural life, popular at the time. But Reddit similar. So Cold Comfort Farm and The Great Gatsby are sort of linked in this way. Because The Great Gatsby is the the tragic, beautiful, rich people life. And then Cold Comfort Farm is the tragic, beautiful, rich person thinking that she's going to change a farm and then realizing that that's not how farms work. <laughs> uh, and then she flies away in a helicopter. <laughs> that's, that's the whole book. It was published in 1932. It's the best thing I've ever read. <laughs> I mean, that does sound quite fun. It's fantastic. The book has, or not the book. The book is fantastic. The movie has Kate Beckinsale in it. So that's all you need to know. <laughs> um, I saw the movie first, but I saw the movie when I was 15. I was extremely, this was, this was one of those books that. Young and impressionable. Oh, <laughs> I, you know how I love the 20s and I also love The Great Gatsby. Both of that is because of Cold Comfort Farm. <laughs> like it, it's definitely influenced me mm-hmm. in some very fundamental ways. But it's just, it's so funny. Like it's, it's weird funny in a way mm-hmm. that I clearly favor. <laughs> you didn't put American Gods on your list, uh, which is fine. I understand. I didn't. I mean, I, I did consider it because it's a very good book. But again, just going by my criteria or going by how I chose my books, it didn't really fit because it's a book that I enjoy and I do reread, but it's not a book that I have to be in the right mind to reread it. I don't think I picked any comfort books. Well, Lord of the Rings is a comfort book. Yeah, basically, basically all of my books are comfort books. I don't think any of my books make me feel like... <laughs> everything's wonderful <laughs> they don't know i mean my books don't necessarily make me feel like everything's wonderful but i'm defining comfort book as a book that i go to when i am either in a reading slump or not feeling well like for example diana Wynne jones i was very very ill with the flu a number of years ago i was in college doing study abroad i came down with the flu super sick for like two and a half weeks and all I wanted to do was read Diana Wynne Jones. That was the that was the only thing that I wanted to do. That was the only thing that made me feel better. Can we um, clarify? Diana Wynne Jones is Howl's Moving Castle. Howl's Moving Castle. She's the author of. I mean, I did say that that the Merlin Conspiracy was written by Diana Wynne Jones. Okay, I feel so, like Howl's Moving Castle it maybe has more uh, broad recognition. Um, possibly. It has name recognition, but that name recognition does not coincide with Diana Wynne Jones because everyone knows it for the Miyazaki film. Well, that's why and you should take this opportunity. To <laughs> they don't them. realize, yeah. Uh, but but I also think that Howl's Moving Castle is not her best work. Interesting. That that's actually one of the only I read that I read that book at 
our cousin's, our mutual cousin's house. I just plucked that shit off the shelf and read it, and my mind was blown, and it was so good. Calcifer is amazing. Had you already seen the movie at that point? No. It might it oh. might not even have been, like, I was young. I was very young. It might not even have been out. I don't know when it came out. Yeah, I didn't read. I got, I came to Diana Wynne Jones as a young child. Um, Well, young child. I was maybe, I don't know, 10 or 11 or so when I discovered her. But I, it was not Howl's Moving Castle that I first read. It was her Crestomancy series. Mm-hmm. And I, so I read the Crestomancy books. I read the Merlin Conspiracy um, and the prequel to it, which is Deep Secret, I believe. I think Deep Secret is the prequel and not the Merlin Conspiracy is the sequel. <laughs> I, I'm not willing to bet money on that. But so I read a bunch of her of her work. I have not read everything that she's done. Um, I would like to at some point, but she was a very prolific author. So the Miyazaki film, Google is saying, came out in 2004. But so I watched I watched the film before I ever read How's Moving Castle as a book, even though really? I was already familiar with Diana Wynne Jones. Yeah. Okay. And I, I like Howl's Moving Castle and I enjoy the two books that come after it in the series um, because it's a trilogy yeah. of books. Although the latter two books do not have really have much in common. I mean, Howl and Sophie don't show up really um, at all until the very end. I like the third book quite a lot. Um, House, House of Many Ways. The second one is about her sister? No, the second book is not really about any of... I mean, the second book is about someone completely unrelated. Howell and Sophie come in <laughs> come in at the very end. Clearly, I read this when I was 11, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the second book, I think, is the weakest of the trilogy. I do quite enjoy book three, which is House of Many Ways. The second book is Castle in the Air, but... To go back to my very original point of Howl's Moving Castle is an excellent book. It's not my favorite of her books. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you, it sounds like you made this list based on comfort reads, books that you gravitate towards. Yeah. And books that I have good associations with. Absolutely. I mean, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit are obsolete obviously that for like for both of us i think yeah uh that's definitely where we overlapped in many ways there <laughs> yeah would you call good omens for yourself a comfort read i don't reread it that often interesting are you so i know like i've said i and like you know about me obviously i reread things constantly mm-hmm. but you're not really a rereader it depends on the book. I have read Good Omens multiple times. Right. Which is a comment on Good Omens. That's not the type of reader that I am. Yeah. yeah. I have read, like I said, Frankenstein several times. And that's why it's one of my favorite ones now. <laughs> um, Stockholm Syndrome. That's basically what it is. <laughs> American Gods by Neil Gaiman is on my list because every time I read it, I have gotten something new from it. It's really good at that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's so thoughtful and complex. There's a lot of depth to it. Yes. And I really enjoy that about it. I've read it, I think more than six times, which is not relevant except 
that I don't normally reread books that often. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's a statement that you as a self-proclaimed non-rereader has reread that book six yes. times. Like, that's actually quite a lot for someone who normally reads books once. It is. Like, Lord of the Rings, I reread fairly often because it's Lord of the Rings. Like, <laughs> we're not going to argue about how good it is until we have an entire episode to have space to do so. Which I would like to do at some point. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, it's coming. Don't you worry. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. But then you get, like like I said, Helter Skelter, which is, to clarify, that's a nonfiction book written by the prosecuting lawyer who uh, prosecuted Charles Manson. So it's a, it's a true crime nonfiction book. And the, the version that I read did have some amendments because obviously it's been a while but it was so very good i i have definitely like well i've listened to enough true crime podcasts that i'm familiar with you know the manson family and charles manson and all of that garbage but actually reading about it from the perspective of the person who prosecuted him and sent him to prison was it was very good it was fascinating um his perspective i didn't always agree with but i think overall he he tried to be impartial and it mostly worked um just like laying out the information that he had what would you say your favorite aspect of it was then i think um the angle on a cultural event because I, I think most people are familiar with the concept of Charles Manson. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, he he started a, a cult, the Charles Man no, not the Charles family. He started the Manson family with a bunch of underage girls, which we're not gonna get into right now. And then these girls committed very brutal murders and is that because of him was like did should he be held responsible for the murders uh these are this is an exploration these are questions that his prosecuting lawyer had to explore to argue that he should be held responsible i did not include the girls by emma klein in my list but that is a um i gotta call it historical fiction it's it's a novel from the perspective of an adult woman who in her youth was in we're gonna say the manson cult it technically wasn't but it clearly was right yeah i actually really love the way that that novel um straddled (laughs) history and fiction Mm -hmm. uh they like she was very clearly saying like we're talking about Charles Manson but we're not bothering ourselves with the details. Mm. And I appreciated that. <laughs> um like I said that's not on this list but it it was a very good book. Mhm. Helter Skelter is on this list because I I'm not a big nonfiction reader and despite that this extremely long, extremely dense book kept my interest the entire time, and mm-hmm. it deserves all of the kudos for that. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I would I would say that it sounds like an interesting book. It does sound like an interesting book. It also sounds like a book that I would never read ever. <laughs> but it's a very good book. All of the true crime podcasts use it as a resource. Just like go. <laughs> There's a thousand. Yeah. That's probably quite true. <laughs> the Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. I am going to tie you down and force you to read. That's already on our calendar. Yeah. I but mean, so, why so- do you think I started this podcast? It's to make you read that book. <laughs> uh, we were talking about because it's part of a quartet, isn't it? I don't know. When I read it, I think the sequel had just barely come out. So. Yeah, I I looked it up when we first started talking about it um, a while back. I think I looked it up, and I I believe that there are four parts to the overall series. I've only read the first one, but ugh. there's a line where Star Trek is critiqued. It might be from Rick and Morty. I don't actually remember the origin of this joke. Aliens in Star Trek are just humans with shit on their forehead. <laughs> yeah, because that's what they are. There's humans with shit <laughs> on their forehead. Yeah. Um, the aliens in A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet are not. She truly explores different cultures uh-huh. in such a deep and thoughtful way uh-huh. that I just... I'm so excited to read the rest of them. It was yeah, so Yeah, no, what, what you have said about it makes me very excited to read. Because I haven't, obviously, I haven't read the first book at all. <laughs> and I, I clearly have not read the rest of them either. But what you have said about it makes me very excited to discuss it with you. To read it and discuss it with you. I can't wait. Do you, do you have any other? I mean, we. I'm not going to go over Dataclism again. It's fascinating. We talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> We did talk about it already in the first episode. Okay, Cupid, data. That's it. That's the whole book. (laughs) If you want to hear Lily's thoughts in more details, go listen to our first episode. (laughs) Maybe we'll do it in in a whole thing, and I could talk about like it would. It would be interesting because I want to read it too. I mean, like I like um, nonfiction, sort of more academic texts. Mm -hmm. Um, I read a decent amount of it, and I think the idea of looking at the data behind um, online dating would just be fascinating. So my some of my books, I mean, you you have very good, deep thoughts about why your books deserve to be on your list. Some of my books are, well, for example, the Vinyl Detective series by Andrew Cartmel is a series, it's a solid series. Like it's it's an enjoyable sort of crime mystery novel series. It's good and enjoyable and I like the characters and the main character talks about cooking a lot and I always get hungry when reading those books (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I included them on my list when I remembered I included them on my list mostly because I just Andrew Cartmel is such a nice guy and he's been very nice to me in particular and has gone out of out of his way to get me books like we have met him he has attended as a guest the doctor who convention that lily and i go to every year one of those years that he was there he brought his final detective books for sale and he sat at his table in the dealer's hall selling them 
and I meant to go and buy a copy on the convention runs Friday through Sunday. And I meant to go and buy a copy on Friday or Saturday, but just never got around to it. So by the time I went there on Sunday, he was all sold out. And he said, well, you know, shoot me a message via Facebook and we'll see what we can do to get you some signed copies. And it eventually ended up that he, well, A, he went out of his way to send me copies, to mail me copies. And then when he had a new book coming out and I just happened to be in the UK at the time, like we actually met up and he like bought me tea at a cafe and I got a signed, we had, we had a book handover. So he's just a really nice guy. I can't divorce my feelings of appreciation for him as a person from like my feelings for the series. That's so valid though. Yeah. Honestly, the reason why Tamora Pierce is not on this list for me, despite be like worshiping her through my entire childhood is that I was kind of underwhelmed when I got my book signed by her. How so? She, I brought up a book and I said, hi, I love your work. And she said, oh, thanks. And then in it, my book, she wrote Girls Rule. And I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I feel sympathy. Well, of course but... she meant well. Yeah. Like, as an adult, I'm not mad about that. Yeah. I still have the book she signed. Yeah, like, I but... still love her work. But as a kid. But as an 11 or 12 year old. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I asked my parents, how did she know I thought that? <laughs> and they tried to answer my question. <laughs> they tried really hard. <laughs> but the answer was, it was generic. Yeah. And that's that's fine. That's not a problem, but that's definitely like an interaction that has colored my opinion. I mean, those those kinds of impressions they last. Mm-hmm. But that's so unfair to her. Like <laughs> it is, it is a little bit. An, a young a young girl who likes her books, and so she wrote "Girls Rule." Like that should be fine. That yeah. Like I I don't want anyone to think that I'm shit talking Tamora Pierce because I no, no. never do that. <laughs> we love and respect Tamora Pierce in these households. Oh, forever. Forever. But I, I do understand what you're saying. Yeah. Having yeah. a personal experience with an author just means so much to you forever. It really does. Agree with any of our choices? Disagree with them? We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can reach out to us on most social media platforms at fictionfanspod or email us at fictionfanspod at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed the episode and look forward to seeing you next time. Bye.